peace to you as we celebrate this Christmas season as the Christ Journey family and wherever you're making your connection today. Kendall Campus, feel the love. Gables Campus, great to see you. And then wherever you're joining us across the nation or around the world, right in your home today, we're inviting the peace of God to meet you there. And especially, I want to say welcome to those whose families are celebrating the baptisms that we just saw a little bit ago in this worship experience. Amen. God bless you. So great to be together, see you and celebrate you. And then also, if this is your first time with us, I want to thank you for being our guest. You honor us by your presence, and we invite God's spirit to bless you in a special way. You know, I hope that we'll get better acquainted in the days ahead soon. And the way relationships work, you know this, the only way to truly get to know somebody is for them to let you, right? To let you in. And uh, in honest self-disclosure, they have to let you in and then you have to let them in to the true you. And I'm not talking about that transactional exchange that happens across a counter in a contract arrangement or a business deal, a work environment. I'm talking here about how we build authentic human connection, relationship, friendship. If true knowledge and true understanding is to be established, then there must be authentic disclosure. Is that right? This is how it works. A real exchange of story and of personality. So here's what I do. When I'm visiting with couples that are preparing to get married, I always ask them this, what kind of marriage do you want? See, it's not my marriage, it's their marriage. What kind of marriage do you want? And then I just listen into them talking to one another. The last couple that I did just just about a week ago, uh, the guy jumped right in. He said, I want open discussion on great days, on bad days. I want us to keep the, uh, the communication open on good days, discussing everything. And then, of course, his bride-to-be also jumped in and said, yes, constant flow of communication, here's the word she used, with transparency where we trust each other, loving each other even when we don't like each other. Okay, married couples, can I get an amen? amen. Yeah, okay, that's what we're talking Transparency that builds trust around love. And uh, after they tell me what they said, okay, what do you say? You know, I would ask you that. What, what would you say? What kind of marriage, when you get married, if you are married, what kind of marriage do you want? Okay, but here's what I tell them then. I say, you know, lo, through the many years of marital bliss that my wife and I have experienced now, what I'm coming to really treasure and value is an intimate marriage, an intimate one. Now, in our culture, you say intimate marriage, people immediately think about sexuality, okay? And I got to tell you, I'm a fan of that too. Um, that's, yeah, I'm in favor of that. In fact, Jesus said that male and female becoming one flesh is at the core of what marriage is about biblically. Um, but the best definition that I've ever heard of intimacy is this, into me, see, into me, See, if, if I want deep connection of soul, body, and even spiritual union, then that's the way to get to it. Into me, see, is the way to it. There is no intimacy. Here's another way to say it. There is no intimacy without self-disclosure. Is that the way it works? Yes. Yes. 
Sharing truth is the way to build trust. So when trust meets truth, then relational integrity and intimacy can result. Are you tracking with me? You see what I'm talking about here? Now, I say that because the I am from Jesus that we're looking at today took place in a very intimate setting, an environment of, uh, of into-me-see transparency with Jesus. His closest disciples had gathered with him in the upper room, and it was only hours before his arrest, trial, and crucifixion. So the clock is ticking. And in that upper room, he'd already stunned them by washing their feet. What is he doing? And then he shocks them by telling them that a betrayer is in their midst. One of them is going to betray him. And then, and then he slams again. He, said, he says that their leader is going to uh, deny him. And then the fourth whammy he lays on him is, and I'm getting ready to go somewhere that you can't go. Of course, he's talking about his death, which they didn't understand. And so John's gospel, when he's helping us understand what's going to happen in the upper room, John chapter 13, verse 1, here's what he says. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. It was a together time of vulnerable transparency with Jesus, of into me see. For Jesus, it was like this personal disclosure time, and he's giving the disciples a chance to see in what's going on in his head, what's going on in his heart. And isn't that how it works for you? That if you want to let somebody in, then they've got to open the door and let you see what's going on so that you can step forward into it. In a personal relationship, the only way to truly know another person is when they let you in. And the way that we find our way in, we observe their actions over time because we know what people say isn't always what they mean. you got to watch and see what they, what they, how they behave, how they're living. Their actions speak. And so we watch their actions, and then we listen to what they say, and then we watch how they say what they say, right? You're doing all of this. You're doing it even right now, probably, right? And we're, because what we're listening for is their, what they're sharing is their self-awareness, and then you are listening through that filter to see, can I trust this, and are they being honest? And if that's taking place, then that's where the relationship is going to be born. Listen, it's in that context that Jesus said this, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, then I will come back and I will take you with me so that you may be where I am. And you know the way to the place I'm going. And at that point, Thomas, <laughs> Lord, we don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way the truth and the life. 
no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, there we go, if you really knew me, then you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do, you, uh, you do know him. You've seen him. At that point, another one, Philip, you know, Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us. And what does Jesus answer? I'm thinking he just locks eyes with Philip, calls him by his name. Don't you know me? Philip, I have been among you such a long time. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Hard to imagine a more powerful, profound, and transcendent moment that the disciples have had to this point in time with Jesus. And it's hard to overstate how how much comfort and hope that these words from Jesus have bought people over time. Not only millions and billions over time, but uh, did you know right now one-third of the world's population declares themselves to be Christian, followers of Jesus, the largest of any faith group in the world. And, but we're not just talking about people out there. We're talking about these words for, for you right here. And yet at the same time, these very words have been so controversial so controversial for many who feel put off by their exclusive claim. Maybe you feel that way. Maybe you know somebody who does. And I get it. You know, how, how can Jesus claim to be such? How can anyone claim to be the only way to the Father? And this is a great question. Deserves to be answered. In fact, uh, trying to answer that question is what gave birth to what is known as the lunatic liar and lord trilemma that um that tolkien shared with c.s lewis the first answer is this you know how can anybody how could anybody say such a thing who says such things as this and one answer is a megalomaniac megalomaniac that's a real word you know what it means somebody with a severe mental disorder a mental illness, a personality disorder, delusional, we would call them a lunatic. Another answer would be this, a con man, a, uh, a master manipulator, a very skillful liar, a fraud. You know, if you tell a lie, a big enough lie long enough, then people are going to start believing it. That's what was going on here. He was lying. This is Jesus was just telling a whopper. And that's how somebody could say something like this. He was just lying. Or the third option is this. He's actually telling the truth. And uh, the reason Jesus is the way to the Father is because he is the Father incarnate. That's the claim of Christmas. This is the Christian faith. That he, in his very person, is Emmanuel, God, with us. It's a Christmas story. He is Lord. 
I mentioned Tolkien a moment ago. J.R.R. Tolkien was, converse, was in a conversation with his then agnostic friend, C.S. Lewis, who was working through his atheism, struggling logically, trying to make sense of this in his own spiritual journey. And he was at a point where he was saying, well, you know, just a great moral teacher. Jesus was a great moral teacher. And Tolkien said he didn't leave us that option. You know, a great moral teacher doesn't say the kind of things that Jesus says, especially here. He didn't leave us that option. He was either a lunatic out of his head, a liar skillfully, or Lord. Jesus says, I am in my very self the way, the truth, the life. He's not saying, oh, I show the way. He doesn't say, I point the way. He doesn't say, I teach the way or I lead the way. He says, I in my very self am the way. The way home, the way forward, the way through, the way to the Father is the immediate context here. I am that way, and I am the truth. This is what he said. How, did, how could he say that? I am the truth. The root word there is reality. Keeping it real, you know? That's what he's claiming. He's saying that he in himself is that which is most true and real. He himself, here's another way to say it, is reality personified. <laughs> Wait, how can anybody say that? Is he crazy? Or is God himself doing self-disclosure? Remember the context of the conversation. Is, is the fullness of God in occupying a human body with us inviting us to into me see god with us in whom all things consist from whom all blessings flow this is god is that what he is he lying is he out of his head really think about it for a moment or is he for real and how would you know how could you know? How could any of us know? Well, here's what the gospel writers said, who claimed to be eyewitnesses in that day and time, telling us what the next thing Jesus said, verse 10, the words that I say to you, what I said a moment ago, how do you get to know somebody? You listen to what they're saying. You listen to their words, and then you watch how they say what they say, and you try to decide, is this for real? He said, this is verse 10, the words I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority. It's the Father living in me who is doing his work, takes it a step farther. Verse 11, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or if that's too big of a step, then believe based on the evidence of the works themselves. Jesus is claiming that the miracles that he demonstrated were actually revealing God through him, and that was the evidence for what he's saying, that it's real, that it's true, that it's supported that his claims are supported by his works, his words, his works, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Now there's that word again, life. It's zoe. That's the Greek word, not bios, not biological life. Zoe, spirit quality of life that never ends. This is the, the essential quality of God's self-existence over time. Zoe. Uh, this is the, uh, the same word that is used in the book of Revelation when... Uh, it speaks of the Lamb's book of life. 
The names that are found written in the Lamb's Book of Life are people who have God's spirit life alive in their lives. And when his spirit life comes alive in you, then your name goes in the Lamb's Book of Life. And then what that means is because God's life cannot die, that means that you are not at risk of the second death. This is what Revelation says. The lake of fire can't touch you because God's quality of life is in you. And that's what Jesus is claiming to be the one to be, who has the power and the authority to share God's Zoe life because he is the life of God in himself, the eternal quality of life to all who believe. That's why he says that no one comes to the Father through me because he is the Father of life in human form. That's the claim. Now you can say that's not true. That means he's a liar. Some people do. You can say that that's insane. How could anybody say that? He's crazy out of his head. But here's the thing. Then you've got to deal with the miracles, the eyewitness accounts, and the changed lives. The lives that keep on changing because of that truth. And you've got to say, hey, wait a minute. Is this the work of a lying lunatic? What makes the most sense? Or... Is it possible that God has written himself in to the human story and is actually taking a step of self-disclosure so that those who are closest to him could into me see and evaluate what they are seeing, hearing, and feeling and say, this is true. It's outrageous, but it's real. The way, the truth, and the life. In, uh, in Luke 15, Jesus tells one of our favorite stories about a, a father whose runaway son, he, a father who is waiting for his runaway son to come home. In John chapter 14, Jesus is telling us that in him, the father has come to take home to the runaway. That in his very self, he brings the father to us wherever we are, so that we can know him, if we will. That's what he means. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and then through him, we experience the Father in the flesh. So what? Okay, I get that. That's, that's the theological stuff behind it all. I get that. So what? What difference does it make to me? Three words, identity, reality, and vitality. In knowing your God as your Father, you come to know your true identity because you come from God as an image bearer of God. And then you find your way to your true home. That's what he's talking about. And that would be key to your identity and your community, that which gives our lives meaning. You know, I have a friend who didn't know he had a son, but his son knew that he had a dad somewhere in the world and set out to find him. Can you imagine... When that day, when my grown, my, my friend had a grown man come to him who sought him out and found him to be his father. And of course, there was confirming evidence to validate that claim. His identity was discovered. See, meeting your father can do that. Do you ever wonder, you know, who am I? Really? Where do I come from? Really? <laughs> Where am I going? Really? 
How does it all make sense? Postmodernism wants to believe that truth is what you make it. You make your own truth. Postmodernism wants to tell us that truth is relative. So it's very unstable, depending on your perspective. That truth is perception, really. The word that Jesus is using here means truth is that which is truly real actually real and he's saying you can't get any more real than knowing me as truth and in that nugget is this truth that in coming to know your heavenly father through jesus christ you are tapping the root of your own true identity in life and being invited into what is real in community that gives meaning and god's life his vitality comes alive in you so Jesus said, you know, when it comes to my, my father's house has many rooms in it, and there's one there for you. I've gone to prepare a place for you. So when you get there with me, you're going to feel right at home. It's like there on the table is a nameplate with your name on it. Welcome home, Bill. Maria, Carlos, welcome home for you. And, and you're going to be there because I want you to be with me forever. That's why I've come. Now, time out. Who can truly claim to be the way to the eternal home? Who could do that? And why would they want to? They're crazy. They're lying. They're manipulating something somehow. No, he's hours away from his death. And he says, we'll see him again. And before he goes there, he says this, you know the words that you've been hearing me say? Those are my Father's words. They're coming right through me because the Father's in me and I'm right here with you. The works that you've seen me do, those miracles, <laughs> that's the Father at work for you. And then he says, in fact, I am bearing witness to everything the Father is in a human form. Telling you the truth. Say it another way. You can trust me to take you to the Father's house because you can trust me to be the Father coming to your house. In Lion King, Mufasa visits Simba in a vision. You might remember this. To help him remember who he is. <laughs> in Christ, our great heavenly Father does the same thing for us, only more. <laughs> in Christ, our great heavenly Father being in his very self, Christ in his very self, the way for reconciliation to happen. There are theological words that go with this. This is what we mean when theologians say Jesus Christ is our incarnational redemption. When they say Jesus Christ in his body on the tree is our substitutionary atonement. That means that God the Father in Jesus Christ was here covering all the costs so that we could experience him as the way, the truth, and the life. He who knew no sin became sin for us. This is what Paul said. So that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Receive the gift. Now, this is a huge mystery, but Jesus says the evidence that, that I left provides 
everything you need to know in order to believe. If you will, the evidence is there. The reason following Christ takes you to heaven is because receiving Christ brings heaven to you. Have you received Christ and received heaven? No matter what you've done or where you are, where you've come from, nobody's excluded. And Jesus is saying there's evidence enough if you seek it out. There's evidence enough to validate belief and allow intimacy if you want it. That God has revealed himself to us enough for us to trust his love, if we will. Now, have you seen this? There was a time in my life when I was far from God. I was full of myself. I was trying to doing my own thing, trying to make my own way, and, but just wound up like a sheep, going astray, winding up in a ditch, separated this huge distance from, from God. If there was a God, I didn't feel God. There was a separation in, instead, which left me without hope. In fact, this is what the Bible says is our human condition. All we like sheep have gone astray. We're separated from God because we've turned our own way and we have sinned and fall short. That's that separation between us like a huge chasm. And what I discovered, no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't close the gap. I couldn't uh, fill the void in my soul that was separating me from God. But then I learned that Jesus had come to bridge the gap between God and me, and that he would do for us what we cannot do for ourselves, and is his very self. He overcomes sin on the cross to break out of death, ascend to heaven, and make a way where there had not been a way, to be the way into a new reality of life, Real life, for me as a child of God. Child of God means God is my Father. And if I take that step of faith, which is what I did, I took the step of faith, have you done that? And accepted the forgiveness and love of God as a gift and now have peace in my heart and assurance that the Father's house has a place at the table for me because God's life has come alive in me. See, the Father comes in the Son to be your way home to identity, your true identity, in a new reality that is full of God's eternal vitality. And then from that, we grow through this life. So you trust Him, and He'll take you to your truest identity in a new reality full of God's eternal vitality. But here's the thing. Just like the gifts under your tree this time of year, they may even have your name on it, but if you don't claim them, you don't get them. Is that true? You know, there's an, and it's under the tree. It's got your name on it. What do you usually do? You go, oh, that's for me. You know, no, that's not yours. That's got my name on it. That's for me. So you, you believe that it's for you, and then you claim it as yours. You own it as yours, and then you open it up and receive it as your gift. It's the same thing with the gift of salvation. You believe that God's gift of salvation is for you, and then you receive him as your own by faith. So that's why John says to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, that means you find his truth trustworthy enough to receive. 
then he gives you the right to become children of God. That means to know God as your father. Now, as soon as I say that, you know, I'm telling you, father's a, a loaded word these days. Father's a dead word in many ways. What that means is we don't have any feelings around it. Somebody says father, and that doesn't resonate. We're numb. We're dead. We don't get that. Who, who wants? And for others of us, father is a pain word. There's wound around it. So to think about father is to touch hurts. It says, man, I remember asking a guy one time, you know, God wants to be your father. He said, I don't need a father. I can relate to that. I don't need a father. I'm going to be my own man. So Jesus, and yet Jesus says, but you don't know the father's love the way that he has given himself to you and wants to love you. I've come to be the father you never had to show you what it really means. He's here for you. He wants to know you. You are so loved. Those places of hurt and brokenness can become opportunities of healing and hope, which is why the Christmas angel that night told the shepherds, don't be afraid. I bring good news of great joy for all people. Nobody's going to be left out. Today in the town of David, a Savior is born to you. He's Christ the Lord. And then after that visit, it said they spread the news. Which now that's our job, you know, we spread the word. When they seen him, they spread the word. That's our job, especially in a world like ours, and especially right now in a time like we're living. So much chaos, so much confusion, so much hurt, so much heartache. <laughs> you know, is there anybody you know who couldn't benefit from some kind of hope? And into that dark night, the light still shines, and God wants to let it shine through us to others so that they can feel the joy. I mean, starting with you, feel the joy personally and in person how about that or experience the love personally and in person or rise with the tide of joy personally and in person as we gather together to declare his glory this coming christmas even as they did that first jim carrey the famous actor once said this i think everybody should get rich and be famous so that they could do everything they ever dreamed of and, uh, and see that it's not the answer. I guess he would know. Learning what is not the answer is really the first step toward preparing to meet who is. And maybe that's where you are today. The Scripture tells us there is a way that seems right to people, but it's a dead end. It ends in death. There are fatalities there. But Jesus, when he arrives, says, okay, I am the way, the truth, the life. Trustworthy. Come with me. Won't let you down. This is what he's saying. I am the way to real life with your true father who loves you and wants to be with you here and forever. Without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the life, there is no growing. But in Christ, we have all that we need to experience his life in this life and the next. So here's the real question. Are you open to some spiritual intimacy? Because God is, and that's why he came in Christ. Would pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for the gift that you have given us of yourself 
and the disclosure that you made through Jesus that we might wrestle with it, we might struggle with it, we might then discover it to be true and real and how we thank you, sisters and brothers that are listening right now and you know this is real and has been in your experience and you just want to say thank you, God, that you came and found me and then took me with you on this way, this Christ journey into new life. Maybe for you the prayer today is this. Remind me of my identity. Restore my vitality. Bring me back into reality in you right now as my way, truth, and life. Maybe you've been away for a while. This is the time to come home. And then maybe for somebody, maybe you, that this moment is the moment you've realized that you've had religion and you've got morality and you've got arguments and philosophy, and yet Jesus, something has spoken to you or tugged you or snagged your mind in this, and you would like to take a step closer. If this is true, Lord, would you bring me closer? That's a good place to pray. I started by saying this, God, if you're real, would you show me? And then within 24 hours, I was praying this prayer, Jesus, forgive my sins, come into my life and lead me in the way you would have me go. You can pray that prayer right now. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming for me, for loving me, for dying for me. Forgive my sins. Come into my life by your spirit and now lead me that your hope and your love could define my life. Our heads are still bowed, but if you prayed that prayer with me and would let me ask a prayer of blessing upon you, would you simply raise your hand right where you're seated? And if you're joining us online, you can click right there on the screen. And Kendall Campus, those of you raising hands there, we're praying with you now as well. Amen. Lord Jesus, for every hand raised, representing a heart opened and your gift received in Christ, we pray now the peace that passes human understanding in the next steps that we'll be taking together. In your name we pray, amen.